This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, Yas here and I just wanted to say it's great to have you join me today because I'm sure we're going to have another fantastic episode. So whether you're here for the first time or if you're one of the repeat loyal listeners of the show, I truly appreciate you. But before we get to today's guest, I just have a small favour to ask and that's if you could just take a brief moment to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Ensure that you share it with all your coaching friends and don't forget to get in touch guys. Let me know your thoughts on what you think of today's episode or any of the recent episodes you've listened to. You can do this on Twitter at the Coaches Net. Once again, that's at the Coaches Net. And please make sure you do, as I'd love to hear your thoughts, guys. Anyway, on to today's show. I hope you enjoy it. Have a great day, guys. The Coaches Network. Hey, guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast, a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent, and personal development. My name's Coach Yas, and I'm a UEFA A license football coach, coach developer, and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons, and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. Right, guys, welcome back to the Coaches Network. My name's Coach Yas, and I've got a very special guest with me today. My guest today is Russell Earnshaw. Morning, Russ. How are you? I'm good, mate. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, There's some pretty esteemed guests you've had on. When you pulled out Shaquille O'Neal, I was a little bit uh, terrified, if I'm honest. But uh, let's see where we end up. Definitely. Right. Look, well, Russ, look, first of all, thank you for being with me this morning. I'm really, really excited to kind of delve into, the, into this conversation. Um, but just before we do that, maybe just give a brief insight around who you are, what you do, and we'll go from there. My um, daughter thinks I'm Chandler Bing, so no one knows what I do. Um, where, where did I come from? Um, from uh, born, born up north, born near Middlesbrough, a working class family, first person to go to university. Um, my mum now has like adopted that, like assumes all our kids now need to go to university. They shouldn't take a year out. They need to go to university immediately, um, which is interesting. Um, uh, then, um, yeah, I went to Cambridge, studied maths, economics, probably could have gone and worked in the city like lots of other people, did three months of it, hated it, love wearing shorts. So realised that like being on a pitch wearing shorts was like of high value to me from an energy point of view. <clears throat> um and then played um, played junior rugby, so played a bit before that, not not loads. And 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 I wrote the other day. One of the questions I ask people quite a lot to understand them is if you could relive one year of your life again on repeat, which year would it be and why? And so, and the reason I say that is I would relive my university rugby first of my life. It was better than any other. So I won the European Cup. I played in big stadiums. I played sevens for my country. I Nothing came close, like not even like 50% close. 
um, which which will explain some stuff later on because I I think I'm trying to break the rules a little bit because I do think that like professional sport is often not as exciting as it used to be. You know, like people are talking about work and it's a job, and actually I think that the purpose of sport is joy and exploration and finding yourself getting better at something. And sometimes players aren't doing that. Um, I went I then went and played professionally, um, had lots of success early on, which probably wasn't that helpful. And I know you're interested in mentoring. I would have really benefited from a mentor. It would have made a big difference to me. I had a coach that was the coach. I, I did, yeah, probably lost the postcode lottery, quite frankly. Uh, and then coached a bit as we've been chatting about, like opportunities come along, luck, connections are really important. So was lucky enough to coach England Sevens for six and a half years, <coughs> make a shed load of mistakes. Um, I was thinking about something I did the other day. I was thinking about it yesterday and like, like my whole body was curling up. Like I guess we've got to like recognize that we all started at, you know, a bus stop that was a really long way back down the road uh, before we got to where we got to. Um, did that for, a, yeah, as I said, six and a half years, finished with uh, losing a World Cup final to New Zealand. Uh, and I work with New Zealand. They lost a World Cup final last week. So there's a bit of, we've gone full circle. Um, and then um, I went and taught two years, did two years teaching economics. Um, my wife had said, pretty much enough is enough. Like you're away from home so much, you're missing the kids grow up. Again, we give a lot, don't we, when we put the shorts on on the grass. And um, I think we do things that if we saw someone else in another job doing that, we would go, what the hell are you thinking? Like, 16-hour days. What? What are you talking about? Agreeing to do everything. Um, so um, a two years teaching, which I loved. I love being in the classroom. But then I had a, set, a moment, really, which like gave me real clarity, where the headmaster pretty much took the mickey out of me in front of everyone for wanting to get better. And I remember walking out the door of the staff room thinking, well, that's that, isn't it? I can't work in an environment where people don't want to get better. And interestingly, I think a lot of that's one of the things that a lot of the players struggle with when they finish playing the game is being in an environment where people might accept like mediocre. Um, so that was that. I got my dream job, went back to the RFU. Um, <clears throat> I would always recommend multiple experiences for people. I um, I played in the forwards in rugby. Let's say it's like football. It's like, it's like a, an outfield coach being the goalkeeper coach. So I then coached the backs. So... I would want to like put myself into lots of challenging situations, try and get better, learn some stuff, have some karaoke moments. Um, and so I did that. And then, yeah, then just like the worst boss in the world came along as is often, you know, when, whenever I speak to people at unis, that I often get the, the, the first question is like, you speak a lot about politics, Rusty. Why is that? And I'm like, cause it's everywhere. So, you know, it, it was allowed that a, a man was able to rip apart a system that was doing a pretty good job and get rid of two of the best coaches that I ever have had the fortune to meet. And, uh, and so then I got made redundant as part of that process and been working for myself for four years. I wish I'd done it earlier. Um, I speak a lot about bravery and I probably wasn't brave enough. My wife was pretty upset when I got made redundant thinking how are we going to pay the mortgage but it's the best thing that ever happened and now I guess <coughs> I get to work with lots of sports lots of, lots of different coaches across different kind of performance if we're going to call it performance development if we're going to call it development um, lots of different environments and like 
every day is amazing, really. So I think that's probably where we're at now. No, and there's a lot in there. And I, you know, you've, you've, as you're talking, you're just sparking up loads of different questions for me. And I just want to kind of go right back to the start of it. You decided that obviously uh, uh, the corporate life, if you like, wasn't really for you. Um, you wanted to, you know, you loved wearing shorts. But, you know, really interesting. Why, why coaching? Because, you know, one of the biggest things about, about this podcast in particular that I'm really trying to help people maybe get to grips with is just because it hasn't worked out as a player, which is often the case, um, we don't necessarily have to fall into coaching. Um, in your case, you know, you had a bit of success as a player. But why coaching? You know, you started off with the whole idea of, you know, you wanted to wear the shorts, fine. But what was it about coaching and maybe not one of the other kind of uh, other disciplines within within sport, if you like? Uh, I'll give a shout out to um, Titus at um, St. David's College in North Wales. And I was did a session the other day and I was walking up the hill and I was chatting to this lad, he's 16. And he said, oh, Rusty, I'm really like, um, really like getting into coaching now. I love it. It gives me such a buzz helping other people. Like, and I, th I think it's like the thing I want to do like, for the rest of my life. And then fast forwards a couple of months, I said, look, get in touch. If you ever want to reach out, you know. So he came up and spent a, um, a week with us up at Seba Camps and did a bit of coaching and helped out. And, and like, I was really jealous that at that age, you know, um, he'd worked out the stuff that was like giving him energy and getting him excited and like giving him purpose. Because it's probably taken me quite a long time. Like the year I, I would relive is now, but I'm 47. Like I'm, you know, he's got 30 years left of, of that. So I'm a little bit jealous of that. Um, and then I just don't think it was planned. So I often think it's easier to, join the dots of backwards. So often people say, oh, you know, I'll call it midlife crisis, but they'll say, oh, I really want to get into more coaching. I start coaching my kids. I love it. I'm really interested. Like, what's your advice? And I say, look, here's some stuff that kind of worked. So having a podcast worked, it looked like I was serious about what I did. Um, it, it was like CPD for me. Um, <clears throat> so I'm jealous of that. And also I think people are trying to work out in the same way that I was. So player, not quite sure what I wanted to do. Definitely knew I didn't really want to uh, work in an office. <clears throat> Someone gets sacked. I end up being coach. Okay. You're going to do a meeting in uh, half an hour, right? No idea how to do a meeting, which is pretty weird, given that I've been a professional rugby player for 10 years, that no one's taught me about meetings. And again, we, we don't do it. We keep it secret from the players, all this coaching stuff often. Um, I did ask... Um, uh, Ashley Cole, uh, how often we are involved in the planning of sessions and stuff like that. And he said, um, never, but it sounds ridiculous. Now I'm saying it to you, Rusty. Um, so, so anyway, I ended up by, by chance in, a, in coaching, was player coach, didn't do a great job of it. I work in hockey now and there's lots of player coaches. There's still a few in rugby. It's, you know, generally, if you can play a sport for a bit longer, you can become a player coach. Um, I'm not sure whether I did love it to start with, quite frankly. I think it was like I'd spoken a lot about, spent three weeks in, in hospital. I'd, I'd run myself into the ground doing stuff, as I said, that you wouldn't recommend any person in any job does really like. Um, and then I just, yeah, I think I grew to love it, really started to realise, actually, this is giving me a buzz. Had a moment, and it was only a few years ago, where uh, Tom Hartley, who's um, who's now working for uh, UK Coaching, and helped him a bit with his trying to get his 
job. And then he rang me just saying, look, I just want to ring you. I'm, you're the first person I wanted to call to tell you I've got the job. And like I, I jumped up in the air and I thought, all oh, right, yeah, now I get it. Now it is like, it is giving me a buzz. And so I think I found my way there, but it's taken ages, which is like, and my son, who was chatting about our kids earlier, but my son's 17 and he's like doing his UCAS and thinking about uni and, and he doesn't quite know what he wants to do. It's one of two or three things. And, and but I think like I think one of the joys of and you you'll have seen it with your podcast, like is just exploring and going, actually, I'm gonna try this out a little bit, or this is gonna work, or and I guess I feel yeah, I have lots of friends who are now like my age, I'm 47, and um they're starting to question whether they, because, you know, you start to like, go, well, there's maybe this amount of years left and I've done this many, and whether what they're doing is actually giving them like joy in life. So I've become um, a popular person to uh, answer phone calls about midlife crises. Uh, I, tell, I can tell you really, I mean, I, I just think back to when I started coaching, you know, it kind of, again, similar to you, I didn't really, it wasn't really planned. Um, you know, I just, you know, was going through some stuff, took my level one in football coaching and never looked back, you know, but then I remember, you know, done it for about two, three years, about 18 till about 20, 21 ish. Um, and then I stopped for about 18 months, you know, um, just due to, due to certain circumstances. And then, but then I, I, I found myself thinking during that period, what, what am I going to do? What am I doing? Um, and, you know, I think for me, I probably did catch it, catch on early on. This is what I want to do. Because straight away, I thought, you know, I've never, I've never felt as energized, like you put it, you know, as um, rewarded in what I'm doing as as I did when I was coaching. So like, no, I've got to go back to coaching, and I haven't, you know, I, you know, thankfully I went back to coaching, and I haven't looked back since. And it's not, and now there's just been this incredible journey, like you said, you know, just exploring, trying different things, trying new ideas. But you know, it's something, something that you you mentioned earlier that really kind of sparked my interest, and I think, I think, you know anyone listening to this I encourage them to really try and take out anything you mentioned here is that around mm. that idea of wanting to get better right it, it doesn't come for everyone and when it does it comes in dribs and drabs so wh wh where did that come for you and obviously you know you put the you were then putting in a situation there where you said right okay you recognize the people around you didn't necessarily want to get better they just wanted to maybe get by if, if that's a way that you maybe describe it um, so wh where does that come from? You know, where did that come for you? And obviously, you know, you know, you know, give it back, um, track it back to this uh, this young man that you were talking about. I think it's Hayes. She said his name was, and he's already realised that from early on. Is that something that we um, we pick up along the way? Is it innate within, within us? Do you think? Mm -hmm. Or do you think there's certain influences that we have we have to experience and experiences that we have to go through to, to really uh embark on that? If that makes sense. Well, as you were talking again, I've gone off on another tangent, but uh, one of the things that's been really important is like mentors who've lit fires for me. So like they must have either seen something or thought, I'm going to help us to get through this. Um, so Ian Bletcher, Nigel Redman, um, Kevin Barry. Like I think the job of a teacher or a coach or a mentor, whatever you want to call it, is to, is to light fires and for the, you know, the, if the door isn't open, which it probably wasn't with me to start with, you know, for me just to open the door a little bit ajar and have a little peer out and, oh, what's going on over there in that little coaching thing? So um, it's not to, like, bang around the back and go, come on, Rusty, for God's sake, do some coaching. So um, I've had some – I've been really fortunate with mentors. The next thing – and we're speaking about coaching quite generally, aren't we? So I would um, – I was at um, 
uh, football academy the other day, and I just got one of the coaches just draw a circle, right? Like just divide up what you're doing your week, like cool, like like colour in the bit that gives gives you energy. It's five percent. It's five percent. Like cool, like like colour in the bits that like really take away your energy. It's like fifty percent. So. Like not all, you know, lots of people will look at a job and go, oh, it's perfect, you know, brilliant, working in an elite environment, too, you know. But actually the reality of, like, working in academy football is you, you're sat on the computer filling out P, you're having selection conversations, you're having exit conversations, you're having to co-coach with someone that you don't want to co-coach with. Your line manager's not line managing you very well. Like, there's all, it, there's much more to it than just, being on the pitch, I guess the beauty of being self-employed is you have more choice in what you do, as long as there's enough work. Fortunately, there is. Um, so that was, it probably took me, me off to there a little bit as well. So I think, for me, I'm really interested in what gives me energy. Like, and I will do stuff that gives me energy. If I give you an example, the other day I did a day with business. It was about six hours, no travel. Um, I was exhausted at the end of it. I did um, coach for my mate on a, a kids' camp. And then went and coached the senior uh, team uh, in the evening on the way back and took my son with me. Um, so we spent seven hours in the car and I coached for uh, seven hours and I felt way more energized. Like seven hours in the car sounds like a really long time, but like got to do it with my son, got to think about the session I'd just done, got to. And then the cool bit was when I did the seniors, I was able to tell them that three hours earlier, I'd done the exact same session with the under 10s. And, uh, and then I guess go back to you getting better. And it's something, um, I guess, you've got to, like for me, I've almost had to wrestle through this. Um, you know, you start off and you think you know it all, don't you? Like, and then Kevin Barring comes in and in a really skillful way, makes me realise I do not know it all. But like makes me feel good about it and makes me go, okay, I can move forward from this point, which I think is the skill of a really good mentor. Like, you know, at the right time, hold up the mirror and then go, and this is how we're going to move forward. Uh, and, and I'm here to support you. Mm. And so I, I remember that vividly. And sometimes, like, uh, and, and it's interesting, Fletch, who I used to work with, works for Scottish Rugby now, and there's high demand on his time. He's basically leading coach development. And he said, I will only work with coaches who are willing to get feedback and show that they're willing to get better. I'm, and I'm so glad you mentioned that because even just as you're talking this, I, I'm just thinking about some of the experiences I've had with people around the mentoring piece and the development piece. And it's quite a lot of them um, that I've come across have experienced situations or environments where they necessarily haven't got someone else to kind of offer them any feedback or anyone to bounce off. So when they do get a situation where someone's not giving it to them, one of the interesting things that came out from a conversation I had recently was when I first met you, yes. I didn't know how to take feedback. I actually had a poor relationship with feedback and not understanding what feedback was and how beneficial it could be for me. Um, and within that, it then, you know, exactly what you said. <clears throat> I was a good coach. I thought I knew it all. Um, but when you came across, and it's like, but you held that mirror up, essentially. Um, this is the interesting part. They said, well, I, I felt like I was terrible. It's like, well, I'm not, it's, it's not about being terrible, but, you know, similar to what we were talking about earlier, about wanting to get better. I'm just asking you specific questions and maybe shine a light on certain things, not to say that you're doing anything wrong, but are you doing it as good as you could be? And if that's, your, if that's your genuinely your intended outcome to get as best as you can, then 
we need to start thinking about some of these things. So, you know, it, it, within that, do you think there's room for direct, honest, and feed, like direct and honest feedback? Um, and it should be maybe more support around help, help, helping people not to take it personally. Yeah, look, um, and again, like you even look back, like I've got videos of me coaching from three years ago, and someone will go, oh, I saw you coach your video, you coached three years ago. I'm like, please don't watch it. It's terrible, honestly. Like, and back then I thought, you know, oh, I'm, you know, I'm doing all right. Um, uh, yes. So I think, like, if I was working, I mean, simple, isn't it? If you're working in lots of teams, you would help people be better at giving and receiving feedback. Receiving feedback is a skill. Like you might go, so I work with some teams and they'll go, yeah, we do. We we always acknowledge it. We thank the person for it. And we wait at least like a period of time before we, we, we then have a conversation because actually we need to like go, you know, that person's like giving me this with good intent. Like are the emotions I'm currently feeling like, are they, yeah, well, what, what's the reason behind that? And then, so I think that's critical. And again, I would I would try and delve in pretty quickly with coaches around what's worked for you in the past, what feedback's been really impactful, what hasn't. Like, I remember asking um, Marcus Smith, like, mate, if you could just give me like one thing to help me coach you better, what would it be? He just said, Rusty, I need more feedback in the moment. That's helpful, isn't it? I asked a 15-year-old uh, girl at a session uh, recently, if you could give me one thing that would help me coach you better, what would it be? She said... Um, Rusty, I think lots of coaches think that I want feedback on my own. I actually want it in the group so that people can hear what I'm what I'm good at and what I'm working on, and that would be helpful. It's cool. And that's like that's not that typical from what I've heard. But another one who said, uh, Rusty, I, I, I really would appreciate you being patient with me because I'm not I know I'm not as skillful as everyone else. But actually, in order for me to belong and be part of this team, you're gonna have to be patient with me. And again, like, well, okay, so I'm definitely interested in where I came from because Maybe she's had some impatience before that hasn't been helpful. Uh, I think it's options. So when we were speaking about, you know, getting better as a car, you know, so for me, it's like options. Probably have more options than I used to. Um, you know, so an option, you know, asking, asking permission is an option around feedback, isn't it? Waiting time after receiving is an option. Sometimes we don't, we don't uh, use that option. Like we have this stimulus and then we have a, quite an immediate response sometimes without thinking, which is sometimes helpful. So for me, I'm, um, and I guess if I was to generalise on the coaches that I've kind of hang out with, like the ones that want to get better have much more like imposter syndrome and they, that's, you know, they are quite um, nervous and anxious around some of their coaching stuff and they almost need to go, honestly, like, that's awesome. Like, I love the fact that you do. And partly because that's, there's some of the stuff they're doing is currently not that normal yet. And partly because the people who are way more certain um, are way more certain, aren't they? And they're convinced that this other person's wrong and you don't do it that way. Um, so, you know, we were chatting about rondos. Like, it's piggy in the middle, isn't it? So if we called, <clears throat> if we said um, Real Madrid are doing piggy in the middle, we might think of it differently to Rondo. Rondo sounds a bit more professional, doesn't it? We might go, oh, they're just playing kids' games. And of course, like, uh, your guys looked at rondos and gone, actually, they don't have that much with scanning. You never need to check your shoulders. You know, it's not a 360 game. In one format of it, it isn't. And again, rondos is like coaching. There's multiple versions, isn't there? So, um, um, 
coaches have one, you know, I just see different levels and different versions of rondos. Like there's directional ones, there's there's uh, underloaded ones, there's overloaded ones. You know, there's it's got different levels on the rondo. So I think same as anything. Like I've got a rugby game that I play a lot to call rondo, but like it's got different versions. It could be wider, narrower. It's got level one, two, three, you know. The players can then decide some levels. It's got different scoring systems. The ball intro- is introduced in different places to achieve different outcomes. Like, and, and of course, like what we also, uh, I guess, see is, um, and, and a coach who looks at a rondo, you know, and goes, right, junior football, I'm going to copy what they did is, well, they don't actually understand like the rhythm of that team's week. They don't understand like why they're doing the rondo. So the rondo is probably like, Low impact, high end, you know, so low running impact for high energy, you know, the whoa, cheers. And, and it might be a great way to like ignite a session, might not it? We're going to play a couple of rondos and we're going to play winner stays on. And whoever's whoever's left on at the end of three minutes is like, um, you know, we'll have their dinner served to them in the canteen later or can have a piggyback off of any one of their choice to uh, for the rest of the day. Um, so it's context, isn't it? Um, and, and again, like, Working with coaches, like, it's pretty hard to, like... So someone will often ask me, oh, I've got this player, and and, and I'm imagining some stuff in my head, but I'm I'm not in their context, am I? So we can definitely talk about options and decision-making and, and probably be, like, a bit of a critical friend for someone, but it's not, like... It's hard when you're not in their environment. So that's why, personally, and I guess lockdown's made it pretty tough, I would want to, like, be alongside coaches more than, like stood watching them with a clipboard or them watching me, I would much rather like we co-coach and we hang out together and we talk through stuff. Okay, oh, man, I love the way you did that. Like, Have you got any other options around that? What other stuff did you think about doing that you didn't do there? Um, with that player, would you do it differently? And for me, it's then just, you know, it's just more intentional coaching, isn't it? Yeah, definitely is. And, I, you know, one of the key, a key word that you, you know, you've used a couple of times there, or phrase, if you like, is co-coaching. And it's something that I've been speaking to a lot of people about recently. Um, and what does good co-coach look like, right? Um, you know, I've tried to, especially in, in a lot of the environments I've supported, try and move away from this idea of um, having a lead and an assistant coach um, and assuming that that's how, you know, it should be done in that respect. Because what, what typically happens, especially in a lot of grassroots environments as well, and you see it in elite environments as well, where one coach is basically taking the session, the other one's just standing back observing. And it's like, well, you've got, you've got, a, you've got a whole coach here. Use them. You know, use that resource of, you know, that's available to you because, you know, it's a luxury at times to be able to have that. So, you know, in, in your eyes, what, what does what does co-coaching look like and how do people maybe start to get closer to that? Um, it's options again. Um, obviously, one option is for someone to coach and someone to stand watching. That is an option, isn't it? If, if I guess if they're intentionally noticing some stuff that would be helpful and maybe like feeding back, and that could be that actually their job is to support the players that need the most support in this set. You know, we're moving into this bit. We know that these three players are going to find it tough. Just keep an eye and support them. Of course, they could. another option is they just stand there and do keep you up. It's like that, that's an option, isn't it? I, I am aware in rugby of coaches that go in. So I've done my attack bit. I'm going in for a cup of tea. It's like mind blowing, partly because I want to coach. Like, I want to be on the pitch. I don't want to go and have a cup of tea. Like, this is the bit that gives me energy. Now, if cups of tea give you energy, then that's, I mean, that's awesome for you, isn't it? You've definitely like found your calling. 
Um, I, th- I started to think about, yeah, what does it look like? But also, like, what does it feel like? What does it sound like? So, and also, like, if we ask the players, how would they design it? So, again, I would ask the players a lot. How do you want to, okay, you've got four coaches. How do you want to use them? Again, guess who comes up with the best ideas? The kids. I did a session in um, Boston. I speak about this a lot. It was a, it was a nine-year-old kid, for God's sake. And we were, and I normally carry like, I'll design like a co-coaching card and because I know what I'm not good at. Like, I'm, so I'll design like three or four cards and go, right, these, you know, and there's about 100 coaches watching. I was like, look, if, does anyone want to come and co-coach with me? And, uh, and one of the kids goes, oh, can I co-coach with I was like, um, well, okay, yeah, this is like not part of the script. Um, so <laughs> he, um, I said, yeah, yeah, cool. As long as you don't tell anyone what it is, it's like a secret mission. Um, and I said it in a quiet voice to make it sound even more secret. And uh, his was about head of happiness, which I'm generally good at. But what I've realized is that, like, in order to do a session and have individual impact with every single player, that's hard. Like, really hard. That's even hard with a co-coaching group, to be honest. Sometimes it's harder because if you haven't planned it, <clears throat> then the players are getting mixed messages. Anyway, so this job's like head of, head of happiness. Uh, it was catch five players do, doing stuff well, fist bump them, and, and, and set a challenge with them. So it was about when someone does something well, go, right, what's the next level of this challenge? Anyway, so we played this session for about 20 minutes. I've got levels. I've got superpowers. I think I'm smashing. Honestly, I'm like, I'm pretty smug at this point. And then uh, everyone comes in and goes, and because we've had other co-coaches as well. So there's me, three co-coaches, and this lad who's got the secret mission. And I said, go on, point to the person who's had the biggest impact on you in the last 20 minutes. Everyone is pointing at this kid. I'm like, are you kidding? He hasn't even got any badges. Like, it's not even a coach. It's just a little player. Look how short he is. Like, honestly. And um, I thought, okay, all right. All right, come on then. Give me some examples then. If you're insisting that he's... And it's ridiculous because we know Peter Peer is really high value. And again, the kid's self-selected. Now, if I thought he was struggling and I did say at the start, look, come and find me if you need any help, then I would help him with it. But he's the most extroverted kid. He's the best player there. And like, he's really high value in this group. He's catching other kids. He's building, you know, building them up a bit. They're then moving on. They're trying something a little bit more harder. He's catching them when they do that. He's like, he's like head of coaching, basically. Um, so what does good co-coaching feel like? I think it feels like that. Like it feels like someone's like alongside you and being, you know, helping you move forward. And what does it sound like? Oh, it's something I think about a lot. So if I was to close my eyes, and I was at a session the other day, and if I was to close my eyes, and I did write down, I wrote down everything the kids said, and I wrote down everything the players said. I closed my eyes, and I just wrote down stuff. Good co-coaching in my opinion, wouldn't be drowning out the kids. Um, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't have not thought about where it stands and why. Um, they wouldn't all be looking at the ball and therefore shouting instructions that are related to the ball. Um, they wouldn't be shouting words that I then didn't hear from the kids. Because it was a it was a different language, so they were shouting in French, but the kids were communicating in Spanish. But because we haven't agreed what our language is around certain things, so if we want to get the ball from A to B over here, <clears throat> you know, if I, you know, what would I hear? 
So, you know, thought experiments for me. Um, four coaches, you're allowed 27 interactions in the session, off you go, between you. So you then have to start thinking about, like, okay, I've used up 17, <laughs> typical Rusty, 10 left for everyone else to share out. Um, <clears throat> might be that we, like, we do a bit more job rotation stuff. Might be that the kids design it. Um, we would definitely have someone off the board. We would definitely have someone in charge of scanning because we know expertise is in the eyes. So if you haven't got someone in charge of scanning and you've got and off the ball, then I think you're wasting your time as co-coaches, quite frankly. Um, and of course, I know you mentioned in a post-practice, the practice design. So for me, like practice is, we've, we've gone through almost everything now. Practice design is the most important thing. So the right level of the right game, <clears throat> you know, what's your intention? What do you want to get out of it? Then me, my coaching awareness, you know, what, what are my biases? Which players am I likely to stand next to, talk to? What's my, what's my kind of <clears throat> options around feedback? Um, what am I just not that good at? Um, <clears throat> and then co-coaching, like where do people stand? What are we going to, you know, how are we going to interact with the kids? Which kids are going to need the most support in this step? Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Who's going to speak to this kid? And that applies on match day. So again, I was at the academy the other week, and uh, and it was getting close to half time. It was like a minute away, and I was like, "Oh, it's, um, are you guys going to talk about half time?" Oh, um, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. We are okay. So, I mean, like, what are you going to say? Like, what's going to happen? In you know, because it because you can plan the, the 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 activity, you can plan the action, and you can plan the interactions. Okay, which players do you think need you need you the most? Oh, that player over there. Okay, well, what's your What's your opening kind of line to it? Have you thought about what it is? Mm, no, not not yet. <clears throat> okay, but like it's half time in twenty seconds, and like, um, so we did. We had a quick twenty seconds, and and, and culminated with you can ask him first, like, um, what do you need from me? Because he was struggling, and like it's a really good question, and like it has high impact, and it's not a oh my god, like what are you doing that you know. So just be careful. Like, I, I, that's why I, I need to co-coach more often because I'm really, like, coaching on my own. The minute you co-coach with someone that you haven't, like, worked it out with yet, and I'm often in and out of sessions with people, then it can be you start going, I wouldn't do that. Oh, I would not do that. What is he thinking? What is she thinking? Oh, my days. So I think you need to spend a lot of time in it. If I was the uh, Premier League, I would, I would put it on a triple P. It would be one of the things you have to like uh, share reflections on the co-coaching, best co-coaching moment, most challenging. What did you learn, or something like that?
I haven't given you an answer. It's just options, right. isn't it? To be honest with you, I think I think there. I don't think there is an answer because you know, like I said, yeah. it, come back to what you said. It's, it's about options, and I think choices and recognizing what's come back to that word that you mentioned earlier: context. What what's right for the context that you're in? Well, context. So if you are if you're at a junior club and you're wanting to get pull some parents on the sideline because you think that they might be able to be good coaches, or you it's just you coaching on your own, then context is that. A person who's never coached might be in charge of collecting the balls in. That would be co-coaching. Might be in charge of keeping score. Um, might be in charge of, there's a skill zone over there with one of the parents. <clears throat> You've got to go and do, you know, an activity that gives you a superpower in the game. And it's it's not that hard for them. So it's 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 all context driven. I think you're spot on there. So I guess, you know, com coming back to what you again it's really interesting you mentioned this earlier because I, I totally agree with you uh, around this idea that us as coaches sometimes keep this coaching thing secret i love that um why do you think that is and that, you know I, i've got a theory that you know my thing is i think where coaches keep this what we do behind closed doors if you like a secret i think it stems from insecurity right it's almost right well if i let you know what i'm doing then you might question it but for me, I, I've always looked at that as, a, as an opportunity. Well, no, I want to embrace that challenge around what I'm doing. I want to embrace, um, you know, the questions from the players, from the parents or whoever else has got an opinion because that's actually me keeping me sharp, you know, as sharp as possible around what I'm doing and why I'm doing it to make sure I'm, I am having as much impact as I can and being as efficient with my coaching and my impact as possible. Um, I read quite a lot while you were speaking then, sorry. Um, so when I worked, came back and worked with England again with John Fletcher and Peter Walton, like probably opened my eyes up to how you could do this even better. I think if we, and, and, and second thing I would say is if we want to change coaching in, in the UK, we probably need to get every single kid to do a coach development, like a level two or something. So they understand what coaching is and they can like be host coaches to a little bit more account or be more interested or more curious or be able to speak in the same language. I think that would be the, the single biggest shift we could do in coach education. Um, and then I'm always fascinated by, so I had a pro player played 12 years in the premiership uh, rugby um, say to me, Rusty, I need to work out how to coach the defenders who are more than four out from the ruck because no one's ever coached me and he will have been stood in that position. Like, I, I think it's mind blowing. Um, so I, I, we keep it secret. That is a fact. Um, again, with 18s, we had players who weren't like leaders. They were coaches. So, you know, we got our coaching group, our group of players that helped design sessions. What about this? What about that? When I was last in with England, Eddie Jones said, like, well, this is what we're going to work on. Uh, split into three groups um, and design a practice for it. That's a in, in my opinion, that's good use of time. That's like metacognition. The coaches are um, stealing some good ideas because we've all been influenced heavily by players. And the players are starting to think about, actually, how would I coach this? Then you start, you know, you're essentially teaching it and it helps your understanding of it. Um, and so I would, yeah, I mean, again, it's, I, I don't know why people don't do it. For me, historically, um, certainly the start of my career is probably because I was like, I thought there was way more important things to be doing. And actually, it's just not true, is it? Like, you don't have time not to build your players' understanding of 
how to get better at stuff. Um, you'll often see it at the start if players go out and do like, I don't know what it might be called, like an IDP session or individual stuff. And it's pretty average. Like, again, if we helped support them with that, they would make much better use of their time, couldn't they? If we said, okay, we'll design your individual session, but it has to have four levels. Um, and, 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 And the fifth level, actually, it might be the only one person in this whole team you think can achieve level five. And then they might start to think differently about it. We could co-create, you know, we could then co-create that with them and they could start to understand, okay, well, if we if we narrow the space, what's the impact of that? If we, <clears throat> yeah, that would make sense. And I guess how I do that now is choice. So when I'm designing sessions, I'll generally offer lots of choice. <clears throat> I might scaffold it. So I might play like, look, we're going to start off with, this is level one, this is level two of the game. While we're playing the game, as you start to get the hang of it, start to think about what level three and level four will be for this group. Um, because level three and level four might be different for a different group. What I will say is I get all my best ideas from that. Simple. And my view is I play lots of, not lots, I play a small number of games, probably four or five in rugby that I play regularly. And I just have levels on them. And And I vary sizes and I vary numbers. And is it underloaded? Is it overloaded? What type of ball are we using and why? Um, and, and then I'll get side of kids the other day, 10-year-old kid, genius. I play a lot of games. So if you catch the ball in the backfield, you get a point. So in rugby, like fielding the ball in the backfield is, is helpful rather than letting it bounce. And one kid, 10-year-old kid said to me, Rusty, um, surely it should be two points if you take it running forwards. I was like, of course it should be. How have I not thought of that? So now I'm like, I'm crediting this young kid around the country and... Uh, and I've changed my scoring system because actually it's a really helpful scoring system. Um, I had some other kids, and it might not make sense in in, in football, but in rugby, one of the practices where once you passed one way, you can't pass back the other way. And it is the best game ever for fixing defenders, which is a really important skill in rugby. Again, some kids came up with that. They went, Rusty, this game, what about like, what about level four is this? I was like, you lot of geniuses. Um, so I think it's in them. Um, well, sorry, I know it's in them, quite frankly. There's way more wisdom in the room, isn't there? I, th- I think you're spot on. Um, you know, and I, and I say I say this often when I'm speaking to other coaches, you know, quite often the way in which our coach is very, has become very much less instructional um, and very much more <laughs> and open. And, and I think what's led me to kind of going down that path, one, because I feel like over time, obviously, I've built my knowledge and, and understanding where I'm the potential outcomes that could exist. But, you know, my nature is, you know, I'm quite curious, I ask a lot of questions. Um, I really want to get down to the, you know, the nitty gritty of everything, get re- really deep below the surface. And I do genuinely have this thought that, or this belief rather, that everyone has the answers if they ask the right questions. Um, and, you know, and, and, and listening to you there talking about, you know, your, your players coming up with some fantastic ideas and, and how to maybe innovate and develop their practices. It is just that you're giving them the platform, but you're giving them the platform in the way that they have got the creative freedom to go away and do something with it. You're not limiting their responses. You're, you're literally saying, well, well, what do you think? <laughs> do you know what I mean? And, and quite often that, that that's, that's actually a, a difficult thing for people to deal with as well. You know, but you first thing you do is when you ask a question, typically a lot of people just think, well, why is he asking me a question? But I just want to know what you think. Um, so I often find myself having to actually let players know, you know, there's no right or wrong answer. I just want to know what you think. 
just yeah, you know, just want to know where. You yeah, can maybe be. maybe just give them time to think as well, because because you know, let's. What do I think the purpose of sport is? Like, if, if if you if you aren't willing to give kids a voice, then when they really need to speak to you about something, like there could well be life or death, then they won't speak to you. Whereas if if you if they do feel like they have a voice and they can trust you, and then you, you might save a life. Like that is the harsh reality of the world we're living in now. It's 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 tough being a well a kid and a grown up, quite frankly. And, and and just to tag on to that, so so I did a session with Birmingham City Academy back in the day, and um, and um, they got to we played a game, and then one of the teams got to this um, level, and so as a result, they got to pick like a secret thing that they thought would like um, help them get better, and they're teenage boys, and like. It's the first time they've done a session with me and they're suggesting just terrible things. Like, oh, every time we get the ball, they fall over. And I'm like, okay, like, very funny, lads, very funny. Um, so I'll give you one of two options. And you got five seconds to choose it. Four, three, two, one. And, and, and again, like, so I do have options in my head. So I'm not always going boom, boom. I'm definitely, it's my first instinct to ask, what's the next level of this game look like? Have a bit of time to think while we're playing the game so you can work out what it is. But at that point, and it's one of my favourite ever ones, I, I said, look, I'll give you these two options. And the option, they two quotes, <clears throat> because they were moaning at me as a ref, um, you, can, um, you can go down twice in the box uh, near a player and you'll get a penalty. On, and, and you can do it twice, so we've got a 10-minute game. So if you get, you can, like, fall over. And, um, but, but you can only have that superpower on one condition, and that is that at the end of the 10 minutes you give feedback to the other players on their behaviours. Because I was getting, it's too bad, for one. It's like everyone's moaning at me as the ref. And and um, we, um, anyway, so we played it and some teenage boys gave some feedback to other teenage boys. And then we actually chatted about, like, who, who has got solutions to this? A couple of kids put their hand up and we listened to what their solutions were for when they were, like, when they were wobbling a little bit. Um, we did it the other day at um, Leicester City. We played a tournament, competitive edge tournament, and um, one of the teams was, well, the kids picked their own teams. They, they had a replay in teams. We had loads of different rules. It was really good fun. But one of the teams was starting to get a bit ag aggy, to be honest. So we brought in the rule that if one of their players had a go at the ref and the other team caught it within three seconds and called it out, then the other team could pick one of their players to Simbin for a minute. So um, anyway, they Simbin the best player. And um, it was stormed off. And... Uh, but again, like, felt like the game, you know, like kid comes off, actually recomposed himself, sorted it out, went on to win the game. Like, that's the type of stuff that we want to put into training sessions, really, isn't it? And just build and build their awareness of them as well. I think you're spot on. I think there's so many subtle ways that we can go about, you know, touching on these things. But I think what we are also in danger of is with certainly from my observation, a lot of coaches just throwing conditions, constraints, just to just throw them in and not actually really think carefully about, about what am I actually trying to get out of this? How is this going to help? How, you know, what, what is the, what is the challenge that this is going to give for the players? Is it a challenge they even need right now? Or it might be not even as a collective thing, it might be on, a, on an individual basis. Um, and I think one of the, probably the, the most used conditions or constraints within football is, all right, let's go to touch. Well, that's not how the game is played. 
what are you actually trying to achieve by going to touch? Maybe you can, if you explore that bit first, you might come up with some different ways that are more impactful and more effective and more relative to the game. Yeah, I mean, I would prefer to reward, not restrict. So, like, it's it's just, it's a bit like, you know, if I said to everyone, got to use your non-dominant foot, it would probably be quite funny, by the way. But, like, the reality is if you're non-dominant to your left foot and you are um, going down the, the, the right wing, you know, then you might miss an opportunity to make a good decision with your right foot. Um, I think it's about intention and, 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 and attention. So, like, with our... With the session the other day, this is our intention. This is a, essentially like a psych session. Uh, we have to think about things like, do we tell them in advance? How do we signpost it? How do we prime them in advance? Who do we share information with? And, and then we design some practices. So like toss-up. We play, we have the toss-up. Um, if you win it, you go penalty. Like, so one team, there's an early score. So we're going to see like how people deal with when they're down. The first goal after that is worth two goals. So you could actually be three goals down. Or if you then got your head on, you could be, you know, you could be one goal up. So lots of stuff. And then we, you know, um, and then attention. So when we come back in after the games, what I want you to do is be willing to share the people who are dealing with the challenges of this game really well. And like loads of peer-to-peer. So every time we, so at no point did I give everyone the whole information. So each team bring in two players. Like, cool, here's the rules of the game. Go and tell them to your team, you've got 30 seconds. How's that going to cause? That's going to cause some stresses because, like, a minute in, some people are going to realize some of the people in their team don't know all the rules yet. And they're going to have to tell them on the hoof, and that might be. But of course, we've given them one timeout if they need to, like, think slow. And we've given them one replay if they need to replay something. Um, and then we come in and we go, right, cool, let's talk about it. And then, after a period of time, we then brought in the uh, coach transfer. So wherever you were in the league, if you were bottom of the league, you got to you could get rid of your coach and bring in a new coach. So they brought in top of the league's coach. And there was loads of P45 chat going on and stuff to the coaches, which I really enjoyed. Um, and then we started to layer on. So we played for probably about, you know, 40, 45 minutes. And then, and then we started to layer on some stuff of, like, everyone needs to, like, uh, use the coaches as a resource. But think about an individual challenge. Now you understand what we're doing, an individual challenge that would help you move forward. And you can share it with a coach, you can do, you know, or if you feel like a coach can help you, then go and find the coach. My view, I prefer much more interactions from player to coach or player to player rather than coach to player. And so then when we came in, we'd still be talking about the comp stuff, but actually who's had a challenge that's really helped? Yeah. Okay, cool. And one kid, I said, oh, I point to someone who you know has got a really good challenge to help them get better. So one kid points to another kid. I'm like, okay, do you mind sharing your challenge? He said, Rusty, I can't share it with you. It's a secret mission. <laughs> like deadpan, deadpan. Like, I was like, oh, man, you're killing me. Killing me. Come on, tell. Okay, I'm going to come and watch you for a bit. I'm going to try and work out what it is. Um, and then we got uh, each team picked the two most skillful players on the other team. They were a headband. If you tackled one of them, and, and again, permission, are you guys cool with this? If you think this would be helpful, then you wear the headband. But if someone tackles you, it's worth a go. So we now got some challenge for our best players. And they're getting a bit like aggro, um, which is good. But then we have asked permission for them to do it. And we'll support them throughout that process as well. Um, so for me, it's about 
into you know what's our intention like, and i can often go off in lots of places so it is helpful for me shout out to danny newcomer and his stuff around this but here's here's our intention actually where's our attention going to be just want you to be thinking about over the next couple of games what would help you individually get better what's the one thing that we could and if we can we'll put it into the scoring system so again we did we we go like if this if this player um, does this X number of times, then it's worth a goal to his team. <clears throat> I, I got caught, again. You have to be good at maths to do this stuff. No, no, I think I think you're spot on. But you know what I really like there is we talk a lot about putting the ownership on the players to kind of engage and and encourage these interactions, whether that be with yourself or their peers. And I, and I think that's actually really powerful, mm. especially when, from my experience. <clears throat> observe that when players are actively engaging in that process. You're literally immersing them in the process as well. You're immersing them in that learning journey, and I think that that, that that's an incredible thing to be able to do. So I guess there's, there's going to be a lot of people listening to this right now, thinking, "Yeah, this sounds great, but how do I actually get it done? How do I actually get this done? You know, it, it, it sounds great to put headbands on this player and do you know put this condition on over here, and you know, co-coach and um, making sure that we're all working on different things. But even if we go back to that bit at the start, we sort of well, I know what I'm not good at. How do coaches get to the point where, or what would you encourage coaches to do to get to the point where they start to establish that and actually be honest with themselves about it, right? Because uh, you know, if I think back about my own journey, one of the, I guess, I was quite fortunate in, in many ways that a lot of the environments I have worked in, um, pretty much I've been working with another coach. And I've been always conscious, right, can I involve that coach in the delivery, whether I'm the lead or they're the lead, it doesn't matter who, what, what the situation is there. I always want to, the way I look at it is, look, we've got, we've got more than one person here, two, three, four people who might be all from different disciplines, but we're all experts in our own, in our, in our own, um, in our own kind, you know what I mean? Regardless of what areas of the game that we're looking at or areas of coaching we're looking at. So how can we then utilise each other's expertise and knowledge to try and maximise and make the, the session more efficient and impactful? So... Um. Yeah, I mean, lots of answers to this question, isn't there? And what I would say is, you were, according to uh, Dr. Katie Fitton Davis, you will live longer if you coach like this. Um, and then got me thinking a bit around like, like what's in, like, what you almost measure as a coach. I don't measure win loss, so I measure like measure. I tend to like players individually getting better. So even. With you know, and I've coached international rugby, and like I'm thinking about the individual, and and I'm measuring like me getting better, like just having those options. Um, so first of all, I think it depends what you value, and that can be hard. So if you're in an environment that dictates to you, this is, this is what you know, you need a seventy five percent win ratio. So there's a rugby academy near me, and that's what their stated ambition is. So you will do different things in that situation, won't you? You won't necessarily think about individual development you'll coach the team um having a mentor for me is is like massive did you know you did that have you thought about this what are other options like just to like let you know what you don't know in a really kind helpful way as opposed to like here's a really long list of stuff you're not very good at last day. um and then just coaching you know for me if you like your product your, your environment aren't you if you just do the same things in the same environment all the time, then you'll get the same stuff. So you might go, I'm going to go and guest coach once a month. 
I'm going to go join a different age group for a month, and I'm going to and I'm going to learn two things from their coaching. You might go. I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to listen to two podcasts a month, and you know, as a coaching group, we're going to listen to them, and then we're going to talk about what are um, what have we learned from it. Um, I would recommend coaching across all different ages, all different kind of uh, abilities, different sexes, able-bodied, disabled, like as much as you possibly can. Um, maybe not so early on coaching a job where if you if you don't do well, you lose your job because again, that creates certain behaviours, doesn't it? Like you're um, you're going to coach a certain way. For me, yeah, just like I guess it's experiences and it's expertise. So. What experiences can I put together? Um, Rusty, in half an hour, you're going to go and coach England girls netball. I still have that in my head from doing my uh, level four, and I think it was about 2009. And I was thinking, I'm not going in there to coach England girls netball because, quite frankly, you've picked the wrong person. No, 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 you are. Okay. Shit. Like, okay, like, I, I taught at a school. I hadn't done a teaching, you know, so here's the textbook. Well, there's a week to go. Okay, have you got any, like, slide decks for lessons? No, we haven't got any. What? Sorry? Like, hang on. Like, what's going on here? And then it's only in December I realised there was a scheme of work, which probably would have got in the way for me, to be honest. Um, get feedback from your players' loads. There's almost a revolt on the school when I said, like, I've got feedback from the students, and this is what they've said, and you might want to think about it. Like, constantly getting feedback from other players or the coaches and that can be hard so you can frame those questions can't you? you can go look i just want you to know what the two best things and if you could have one option to my toolkit what would it be mm. I, I think this is really it's really important that you touch on that because i think typically what tends to happen is coaches or even just people in general we typically um go after feedback that we know is going to affirm us so I've seen a lot of coaches who say, yeah, I'm getting feedback from my players. Yeah, but you're asking questions but just to clarify whether they've actually agreed with what you're saying. You're asking questions that whether they you know, whether they support um, how you've delivered. But ultimately, if you come back to what you said earlier about the education piece and if the players don't aren't aware of what a coach what a coach should be doing or what a coaching process could look like, their answer is only going to be limited. So essentially, if they don't know what they don't know. So um you know, I encourage coaches to maybe think about that and ask ask questions that actually might put them in a bit of a hole. Something I did a bit in lockdown. Again, I would always recommend miking and you know videoing yourself, coach. But I was I had James G on the podcast, who's um, <clears throat> like an expert in like learningy stuff, and uh, I just sent him a video of me coaching. Just said, mate, look, I've been playing around with some stuff. Could you have a look at it? Like he's a naive expert, isn't it? There are most, you know, you go, you speak to most academics, like. They would love to see more video of coaching. You could easily, you know, you could probably get Doug Lemon's email and send him a video and, and, and he'd go, oh, that's interesting. Or that's, I'm curious about that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's the reality. Like, so video in and miking. And then the last thing that we haven't touched on so much is match day. <clears throat> so that is probably the day in my experience where either because of emotion or expectations or observation, of, of parents and things like that, your options go from this to this. And you start to like narrow stuff down and there might be just more expectation. You know, that I do work with coaches who are told, this is how you behave on a match day. You shout at the players, you tell them what to do. 
which they don't want to do. And they understand that it's sometimes not, not that helpful when someone's looking at, sorry, what? Looking over as the ball rolls between their legs. Um, so, yeah, just thinking about, <clears throat> we chat a lot about training, but again, like the match day experience. And so I just did a Zoom the other day with a coach I, I work, used to work with. They just won Com Gold. He's one of the coaches with the hockey. And um, <clears throat> and I just said, yeah, would it, would it be right, Jody, that generally, like, you're, you know, most of the bad stuff happens on the match day. And it does. And I completely understand why it does. Um, so just having to think about, like, how does that affect you? Um, maybe keeping a record of your body language, maybe getting feedback from players on, you know, what did I do that was helpful today? Or players, could you design the perfect match day for you from, from a coaching point of view? What do you need from us on a match day? And as you said, with the asterisks that, you know, they only know what they know. Again, go and spend time with other teams on match day, see what they do. Loads of good stuff happening out there. Often, again, we we go to training. I think it would be helpful to go, like, see a couple of training sessions, see a match day. What transfers, what doesn't? Are the behaviours of the coaches in the week the same as the behaviours at the weekend? Uh, you know, what seems to be help, helping, what seems to be getting in the way? No, I, I, think, I think that's brilliant. I think, you know, definitely encourage coaches to get out there and, you know, observe other people because there is some great work going on out there. It's not always in the elite environments as well. It's not always on YouTube either. It's rarely in the elite environments, yes. Yeah. Let's be honest. <laughs> I think if you want to if you want to see experimentation, uh, Google X, coaches trying stuff, like it's 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 less likely to be in the elite environments. Those, you know, they're 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 pretty sanitized, lots of them. You know, we are gonna do four minutes of this activity, we're gonna do five of this, and we've got coaches looking at watches rather than coaching. Mm. Um We've got expectations of players at that age that are pretty are pretty ingrained and like, no, no, no. I just want you to tell me what to do, coach. So you might not see some of the stuff. Of course, like, sample lots of different uh, environments. I'm always like, you know, and, you, and you'll know loads of examples of this, like loads of people who aren't like, you've not even heard of them. Like I work with a coach and he said, and I love this, I want to be like the Banksy of coaching. I want people to like see some of the pictures, but I have no idea who I am, which I quite like the idea of like just in your own little world, doing a brilliant job, quietly going about your business. And there's lots of good people doing that. I love that. I love that. Well, I'm not conscious of time. Um, just want to say, look, obviously, you know, I think as as always, you know, any content that you've put out there, any any conversations that I've observed is always mind blowing and always, you know, sparking further thought, curiosity around that. Um, but I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people thinking about some of the things that you're saying and think still scratching their heads. So, you know. <laughs> I'm scratching my head. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you if you could, you know, is there any way that maybe people can get engaged with you? I know you've obviously got your own podcast as well. Um, if they want to find a little bit more about the stuff that you do and some of the content that you have. Yeah, we uh, so Magic Academy podcast. Um, we haven't had as many big hitters as you on. I was trying to think who our biggest hitter is. Um, and, I, and I can't compare to Shaq. Um, yeah, uh, Twitter, uh, you know, whether you agree or disagree with my political views, I'm on Twitter. I'm anti-Tory, anti uh, at Russell Earnshaw. And then, yeah, email address is just rusty at themagicacademy.co.uk. So, yeah, I'm always keen to, like, check in with people, hang out, like, learn from others as well. I mean, that is the reality for me, for me and you, like, just doing a podcast 
makes such a difference to your life. So we've done maybe 200 and something episodes. That is a huge amount of CPD. I'm in different environments all the time. Like I'm super lucky. Like I'm taking this, I'm adding this to it. I'm I'm thinking about how could we do this? Like and and how we what would that look like with this group? Like that's the beauty, I guess, of of the work that we do. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and I, I think you're spot on. It. You know, for me, this has been an incredible journey. Similar to yourself, in the two hundred episodes now, and it's just every single episode I've I've recorded, I'm thinking to myself, right, you know what? Actually, this, there's something really good here that I can kind of do. <laughs> there's some of the stuff that's still kind of stuck with me from, from previous episodes as well, and I'm sure <laughs> when I listen back to this uh, later on, I'll be thinking about, you know what? I agree. That kind of went over my head, maybe. Um, let me let me explore that further. Let me see how that how that works in practice. I think it's just about taking. It's not just taking the information, not just observing the information, but actually trying to apply it. Um, where I think is is a big challenge for coaches as well. You know, to take the first step. You know, if we take your analogy of having different levels to your practice design. Level one is obviously observing the information, taking on board the information. Level two is now starting to apply it. Level three might be now right. You've applied it. How do you now make it more relative to the context you're working in? And just looking at it from that perspective, I think there's some, there's some great stuff in there as well. Yeah, and just to finish, um, I was at Leicester City Academy the other day and, and someone shared his session design with me and I was like, wow, that's a cool session. He went, Rusty, there's 10 pieces of paper in the bin over there. So it is that. It is experimenting. It is trying stuff. It is going, yeah, not this time, maybe next time. It's like that is, that's what it is, isn't it, really? And understanding like, understanding the why. Of all of that, just spot on. Russ, thank you again. You know, a really, really incredible conversation, and um, I'd love to get you back on for a part two because I'm sure there's so many different directions that we can take this in. Um, but yeah, thank you once again. I really appreciate it, and I'm, and I'm sure it's going to be um, um, some incredible feedback to the back of this one. Cool, legend. Well, we'll have you on for the part two. We'll do it that way. Let's do that. Let's do it definitely. Ledge, cheers, mate. Well, there you have it guys, another episode of the Coaches Network podcast, where our aim is to bring the world of athlete, talent and personal development together to just one platform. And you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favourite episodes with everyone that you can think of. You can tag us in those mentions as well on Instagram at The Coaches Network or on Twitter at The Coaches Net. We look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. And until next time, guys, take care. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.